You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. For them to go in there and just stuff those guys from the first play. The first play was Larry Ovenjovi attacking for a loss, and it just flowed from there. That was, uh, to me, their best defensive performance of the year. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello and welcome to all in Steelers Nation. Welcome to Saverin on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Stan Saverin. Glad you're able to find us. Steelers.com, easy to download. We post up two different podcasts each and every week, full of Steelers content throughout the Steelers season. The Steelers season probably won't be extended by what they were able to do Sunday in Charlotte, North Carolina. But it was an encouraging turn, an encouraging twist. And by that I mean they seemed to react to what was not a good performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, I know the Ravens, now in second place in the division, but likely to make the playoffs and still a very good opportunity to win the division. They are flawed. They're also playing with Alomar Jackson. But that made it even more probable that the Steelers could have won that game. And I think that they reacted to what happened a number of ways. And it manifested itself in the play that we witnessed against the Carolina Panthers. Number one, in general, the Steelers won the game in Carolina because they were dominant along both the offensive and defensive lines. Now, there's no question that the defensive line absolutely shoved around Carolina after they had been shoved around by Baltimore. They had six tackles for losses. And I'm not just talking about sacks. I'm talking about getting penetration in the backfield and making those necessary plays. You know, forcing a team like Carolina to come up and be behind the sticks and have to look at a second and 12 instead of a second and six, let's say, it makes all the difference in the world. To a team like Carolina that has its issues offensively, and frankly, that includes the Steelers. I mean, their offense hadn't been much better. Second and 12 makes it look like it's second and 30. And so I think that they really learned their lesson. I think they were embarrassed by the way that they were shoved around, by the way Baltimore ran on them. And on the other side of the line, for once, we saw the Steeler offensive line control the line of scrimmage. We have not seen a great deal of that all year long. The offensive line, I thought, was getting better, certainly, but not to the point where they were actually dominating the line of scrimmage. And I do think we saw a lot of that. The overall yards per carry average wasn't great. 
But that's largely because of about three quarterback sneaks. You're talking about one-yard gains in that circumstance. There's no question that the Steelers' offensive line had their best offensive line performance of the season. And, yes, I know they've rushed for more yards. But in terms of dominating the line of scrimmage, I thought this was it. Now, that is not to say that they have arrived at where they want their offensive line to be. They've been improving, but they're not yet in a position to say, well, there's no sense in adding to our offensive line. We found our combination. They're improving, but they still need to add one or two higher-level, talented offensive linemen. And if you like the work of some of the guys they already have, fine. You keep them around for depth. But because they had a good game against Carolina does not mean it's still not a position of need. And that includes the defensive line, too. Cam Hayward had himself a fine game. And I do think that it was a direct result in both lines of the side of the line of scrimmage of being embarrassed by the way that they played against Baltimore. They were manhandled. They were abused physically. I remember saying on the Steelers postgame show on the Steelers radio network that the difference in the game was not just the three interceptions thrown by Mitch Trubisky. In large effect, it was a battle at the line scrimmage, which they clearly lost. And they seem to take that at heart. But they're still going to need an upgrade on the D-line. Now, maybe they have some young players they can take a look at who can fill that bill, maybe. But I think that outside the current organization is where they have to look. And I realize they'll have cap room, but this is not about filling gaps. Even on the defensive line, Cam Hayward will be 34. And hopefully he's got more good years left in him, great years left in him. But they're going to need more help. I also think that what transpired last week in practice session and the meetings had an effect on Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, you didn't need Vince Lombardi to tell Mitch Trubisky that you can't throw three interceptions, two of them in the red zone. And I think that was manifested in his play. He was careful with the football, but not to the point where he was tentative with the football. Particularly when it came to Deontay Johnson. And again, I think there was conversation throughout the week. The coach is telling the offensive line, hey, you got pounded by the Baltimore Ravens D-line. And conversation in the Steelers' offensive line room and defensive line rooms, hey, you are physically abused. Those guys make their living on being physical players. And if you tell them, and if you point out to them, and show them on tape, hey, whatever the schematics were, whatever the game plan was, it won't work unless you are more physical than your opponent. 
They shamed them. And I think they responded that way. And again, in my view, another area where last week's work of practice came into focus in the game against Carolina was the, the, the combination between Mitch Trubisky and Deontay Johnson. It was well publicized that there was some sort of a confrontation at halftime of the Jet game. Deontay Johnson telling Mitch Trubisky, hey, get me the ball. And lo and behold, Trubisky was benched in favor of Kenny Pickett. Was it because of that one thing? We may never know. But the first pass that Trubisky threw was to Deontay Johnson. He targeted Deontay Johnson 10 times. He only threw 22 passes now. So nearly half of the passes he did throw were directed at Deontay Johnson. Maybe as a way of Trubisky saying, hey, we need to get on the same page, you and I. If there was a problem before, let the problem stop and cease right now. Ten of the 23 passes that he threw were to Deontay Johnson. All of that worked into the playing of the game Sunday in Carolina. The offensive line, the defensive line, the play of Trubisky in general, and the play of Trubisky in particular with Deontay Johnson. Ten targets, ten receptions. Five of them for first downs. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or, like, put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. But let's say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Mike Prezuda of the DVE Morning Show. And the lead host in the Steelers pregame network show with Jerry Dulac and Bob Labriola. He joins us now on the Savernon Steelers podcast. And I wonder, Mike, if you believe that yesterday's really outstanding performance on both lines of scrimmage were a byproduct of them getting their rear ends beat last week against Baltimore. I mean, that would have to sort of ruminate. Uh, in the belly of any competitor that you not only got beat, but you got beaten up physically. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. And, you know, the initial response from the coaching staff 
was to conduct a padded practice on Wednesday. Now, uh, thanks to the collective bargaining agreement, there are not very many opportunities to do that, particularly late in the season. But they had uh, one or two left in their hip pocket, and they, they took advantage of it Wednesday. And that kind of set a tone. Uh, I think they were embarrassed by what happened against the Ravens. Uh, it was disgust in the locker room, and there should have been, after a team that's down to a practice squad quarterback runs three plays and gains 13 yards, where if you get a three and out and you get the ball back, you have a chance to steal that game. I know Mitch Trubisky threw three interceptions against the Ravens, but that defensive performance against the run was appalling to me. And I think it was appalling to a lot of people. Uh, T.J. Watt talked a little bit afterward about the energy that uh, was in practice throughout last week. I think you can read into that, uh, add two and two and come up with four in terms of what was going on out there. They were tired of being pushed around, and they did the pushing for a change. And I'll tell you what, it was a really impressive performance. I did not see it coming. I didn't know they had that in them. Their track record this year, even though their ranking against the run has been relatively good all year, the, the teams that run the ball really well have run the ball on the Steelers with great success, and they've beaten up on the teams that don't run the ball very well. So I didn't, I didn't put a lot of stock in that ranking, but I, I think that Carolina team over the last month has been a really good team, particularly running it, and for them to go in there and just stuff those guys from the first play. The first play was Larry Ogunjobi, a tackle for a loss, right. and it just flowed from there. That was, uh, to me, their best defensive performance of the year, you know, you could argue Cincinnati with all the turnovers, but funny things happen in openers. Um, I thought they got backed up into a corner and they came out swinging. It was good to see. It was good to see. And um, the six tackles for loss. We're not talking about sacks here. I mean, Steelers have always been known getting a lot of sacks. But, frankly, doing to other teams what they have done to them. So many times, you know, it's second and 12. And when you've got a weak offense, you know, that seems like second and 30. Yeah, and uh, they, they, they brought people to the line of scrimmage. They had bigger people in the game because of the way Carolina likes to run multiple tight ends and extra offensive linemen as many times as the Panthers do. They met force with force, and, and they won the day. And uh, it was probably just as impressive offensively in terms of the way the Steelers ran the ball. But I think the Steelers' offensive line has been progressing, you know, not rapidly but, but noticeably throughout the course of the year. Uh, I, I didn't have the questions really uh, surprised I find myself saying this, Stan, but I didn't have the questions about the offensive line that I had about the defense going into yesterday. Well, let's talk about the offensive line. I mean, clearly, um, I, I don't think statistically uh, it was our best game of the year, but visually uh, it seemed to be their best game of the year. Um, they have been progressing. Last week was a setback, but that's usually a pretty – staunch defensive front that Baltimore gives you. Um, is this a, an offensive line that's now becoming acceptable, decent, but should that detract from adding to it in the offseason? You know, two good words there, Stan, acceptable and decent, neither of which are necessarily the goal, but I think a lot of that is going to depend on how they finish. And what we see from the defense, uh, as impressive as that was yesterday, they have three more chances to convince me that they're a good run-stopping team, which, let's face it, if you're not a good run-stopping team, you're never going anywhere or accomplishing anything significant. 
Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of focused in on that, particularly after that Baltimore game and some of the earlier performances, uh, the, the first Cleveland game and uh, Philadelphia and Buffalo teams that just ran the ball on them uh, seemingly without any concern or care. Uh, I want to see what they have on the defensive line. I want to see what they have an inside linebacker. Uh, I think those are your two run stuff in areas. And even if they do well against Vegas and uh, the Baltimore rematch and the Cleveland rematch, I still think they really need a an outstanding young defensive lineman. Um, you know, the, those guys are hard to find in free agency. Uh, we'll see what's available when they end up picking in the draft. But kind of long-winded answer to your question, offensive line to me right now and maybe – by the end of uh, the regular season will be fourth on the priority list behind D-line, inside linebacker, and cornerback. Let's talk about Mitch Trubisky. Um, It's pretty obvious that the three interceptions were not on the back of his mind. They were on the frontal lobe uh, and that of the coaches as well. But did it appear to you that even though Obviously, they talked to him about the three interceptions. He didn't appear terribly tentative. I mean, he seemed like he was in attack mode most of the game. Uh, yes and no. I, I still want to see them go down the field more, particularly at George Pickens. Uh, that 38-yard catch he had, he was not open. The guy was running with him. Uh, the cornerback was running with him stride for stride. But he's bigger and stronger than most of the guys that he's going to play against. And if you get single coverage on the outside and there's no safety on the hash mark closest to that receiver, then that's a throw you can make. And to me, that play has been there so many times this year, and uh, both of the quarterbacks have passed on it way too many times. If they want to really get serious about uh, being a splashy offense and a big play capable offense, they've got to take advantage of this kid. He's, he's special, and he deserves to get the ball more than two or three times a game. Uh, Trubisky yesterday, I asked him afterward if there were any throws that he turned down in his head, you know, thinking, oh, okay, this was a little too risky, might get picked off, let's do the check down thing. And he just kept emphasizing, you know, I was going to protect the ball today. That was the goal. I wanted to protect the ball, and I did protect the ball. So uh, better performance from him. I think it was special to him. Uh, I found it interesting waiting to get in the locker room. After the game, I watched him come off the field, and he had a football tucked under his arm. And I asked him about that after the game, and he said, well, somebody just handed it to me, and I thought it might be special, so I thought I'd better hang on to it for whatever reason. <laughs> I think that was a big deal for him because of the Ravens game, because he was going back to North Carolina where he played his college ball, uh, because he got a chance to start again, and because they won. Yeah, I think that's, um, uh, I think that's absolutely spot on. Is there any doubt in your mind? that if Pickett is cleared to play, that he'll start Saturday night? Or did Trubisky earn another start? Or, take it a step further, did Trubisky, um, I don't want to say earn because he is under contract next year, but did he restore confidence in him that the Steelers may not want to part company with him, at least not for one I more don't year? Think so. I don't think they'll want to part company with him at all. I think they like him as the backup. So to the first part of the question, if it's me making the call when Kenny Pickett is healthy, Kenny Pickett goes back in because I want to see Kenny Pickett get as many reps as he possibly can this year. Uh, You know, this became about developing Kenny Pickett when he went in and then when the record got unmanageable in terms of uh, 
making a late season run. I know they're still mathematically alive, but they're not going anywhere. I don't think uh, even at nine and eight. Uh, Trubisky, I think they like him as a backup. They'd be more than happy to keep him as a backup. We'll see if he wants to be that or if he still thinks he can start somewhere. You know, they have a recent track record of accommodating people who don't want to be on the team. So I haven't talked with Trubisky about that. Uh, I don't know what he's thinking along those lines. But uh, he played uh, well yesterday as a backup. That's why you want to have a good backup in case you need him. You can go in there and win a game even though your starter's out. Uh, the Steelers would like to continue that business relationship. We'll see how interested Mitch Trubisky is eventually. In the classic example of hindsight being 2020, uh, if Mitch Trubisky had not been lifted against the Jets, uh, is there much doubt in your mind that they wouldn't be exactly what they are now, six and eight? Tough to say. I, you know, the, the question I'd rather ponder, Stan, is if Mitch Trubisky had played the way he's played since he was benched. And I'll even include the Ravens game, three picks and all. Uh, he's been much better since he got benched than he was starting those games that he started early in the year. That was hard to watch. He was so tentative, so uh, just refusing to to try anything that had any element of risk attached to it. And Maybe he knew that if he if he put the pedal down, he was going to hit a telephone pole. I don't know. Uh, maybe he thought if he had a bad game, that would be it. He'd be out of the lineup, and he'd rather be in it uh, than not. But, you know, nothing was happening offensively while he was in there. And, you know, people uh, I've heard brought up, if Deontay Johnson gets his foot down in that Jets game, he might not have even got benched. Maybe not. But, you know, Mr. Trubisky's not the first guy who had a receiver not come down the pass in the end zone. The other ones still find ways to score points. They were just completely punchless. Uh, it was, it was unworkable. It was, it wasn't going anywhere. And now at least it goes somewhere. They look good against the Raiders or the Ravens. They managed to screw up in all three phases and lose the game, but at least they looked like a professional offense. I thought they looked much better in that game than they looked in any of those September games. Um, if, if they can get, capable quarterback play right now they can win and of course the idea is to get eventually a lot more than capable out of Kenny Pickett speaking of um coming back next year if Pickett comes back we assume that he will and starts and and continues along that trajectory you know getting better learning every week and the offense becomes more productive than it's been which isn't saying a lot but um does that save Matt Canada's job here, Mike? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have an argument if there is progress. And uh, I think there's been progress with Kenny Pickett. I think there's been progress on the offense. And I think you could argue that we still haven't really seen what Matt Canada is capable of as a play caller given all the limitations they've had the last two years. He had Ben Roethlisberger for a year, but it was not Hall of Fame Ben Roethlisberger. It was Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the line. They've had profound offensive line issues, which they're just, in recent weeks, seeming to get that solidified. They, you can see in the last couple, five games, how much better the Steelers look when they're able to run the ball a little bit. And, uh, you know, now you're starting to develop uh, – Pickens, uh, a wide receiver. You've got Pat Frymuth. He was playing uh, hurt yesterday. I don't even think he got targeted. He did not. Um, 
you've got some some skilled people in place. Do you want to see this continue to grow together, or do you want to try to you know start over? Um, it's an inter- it's an interesting question, but uh, I think all along the Steelers have had a different opinion of Matt Canada than the the Steeler Nation, if you will. Um, it's an easy target, the offensive coordinator, because you don't have to you don't have to blame one of your favorite players. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly, it's um, it's like blaming the hitting coach. You know, a team hits all year long. They don't hit in the playoffs. They want to fire the hitting coach as soon as the fans learned out exactly what his name is, uh, because nobody pays attention throughout the course of the season. Um, the remaining three games is this more about the continuation and development of this team? Uh, you know, we know who the stars are, but. Uh, you know, finding out about you know Demarvin Leal, players like that, is is that? Do you think that is and should that be the the objective of the coaching staff um, and even the media focus? I do. Uh, I mean, still try to win games. I'm not trying to suggest they take it cavalierly, but you know, the, doing it the way they were doing it wasn't exactly leading to uh, a string of victories one after the other. We saw a little sprinkling of Mark Robinson yesterday, the inside linebacker. Now, that was because Miles Jack couldn't play. It was only a handful of snaps, but that's a guy that, you know, kind of got himself noticed in training camp. That is a position that is substandard on this team. Uh, Leal was kind of fast-forwarded by the T.J. Watt injury, and he had himself a pretty regular role until he got hurt. But, yeah, they need to – find out exactly what they have because it's going to be a critical offseason in terms of talent acquisition, you know, to get back to where they want to be. They've got a lot of positions they need to address. And, you know, the the more certain a feel they can have at the end of the year for what they have and what they do not have is going to be really beneficial going into free agency and uh, the draft, of course. All right, Mike. Thanks so much for the time today. Um, Enjoy your time away. Uh, we'll um, look forward to the ball game on Saturday night. And uh, first and foremost, Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here. Oh, no problem, Stan. Anytime. Uh, same to you. And uh, I know you're still working, but uh, I will enjoy the time off. <laughs> uh, I, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. Mike Prezuda of the DV Morning Show and the host on the Steelers Network pregame show has been our guest. Does an outstanding job. Is a great pregame show on the Steelers Radio Network. A reminder, you can listen to my daily show on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 a.m. in the western Pennsylvania area, or all you have to do is download the iHeartMedia app. Easily done. It's free. You can listen to me every day live from noon until 2 Eastern Standard Time. Glad you found us on the Steelers, Saverin on Steelers podcast. You can get that on Steelers.com. Hope you'll do that for the remainder of the season. We'll talk to you again Later this week on the podcast, Saverin on Steelers. I'm Stan Saverin. Thanks for being here. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.